Section 23 of Fires and Firefighters by John Kenlan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 22 Apparatus for Firefighting. Not since the first fire department was organized in ancient Rome has there been such an awakening as at the present time, and all countries are vying one with the other in the development of fire controlling and fire preventing appliances. In fire control, the greatest effort is being made to develop motor-propelled apparatus and motor-driven pumps. The method of propulsion is almost perfected, as all that was necessary was to apply the principles so successful in moving pleasure and commercial vehicles to fire apparatus. But with the motor-driven pump, matters are somewhat different. Perhaps no mechanical device used in the control and extinguishing of fire has reached such a high state of perfection as the steam pump. To discard this time-honored and often severely tried machine for a practically untried device, untried at least under severe conditions, such as being forced to deliver water under high pressure for thirty-five or forty hours or longer, would be unwise many american cities have a fire hazard due to old and faulty building construction narrow streets and severe weather conditions where it would be almost criminal to install a new type of apparatus until it had been tested in places where the risk would be limited it was the feeling that absolute reliability must be guaranteed which caused many cities to hesitate in adopting the motor-driven pump an extensive field was found, however, for this type of apparatus in suburban settlements and in small towns. In these places the fire force is usually a voluntary one. Horses are not always available, nor can fuel be easily supplied, and should it happen that there is not sufficient water pressure in the mains, a motor-propelled and motor-driven pumping machine is a great boon. It requires but one man to take the machine to the scene, and it can be accomplished in one-tenth of the time required for a horse-drawn or hand-pulled engine. Time is all-important in such cases, and as the run is often long and the gradients heavy, great damage may be done before the arrival of the fireman or apparatus, which usually results in the total destruction of the building involved. Therefore, in such places and under such conditions, motor-propelled apparatus is, and motor-propelled pumps may be, desirable. But in large cities, where great congestion intensifies the fire hazard, the first efforts of manufacturers were not successful in producing a motor-driven pump to meet the requirements of the fire department. The scrap heap was large in those days, but there is some evidence that it is diminishing. Manufacturers found, by the only reliable method, that of experience, that some of their pet ideas were not feasible. Chiefs of fire departments discovered this to their cost, but out of the confusion is being evolved a fairly good motor fire engine. Naturally, it is still lacking in the perfection of the steam pump, but when it is considered that fifty years were required to develop that apparatus, it must be allowed that in possibly one quarter of this period a most excellent motor-driven pump will be in use. The steam pump was brought to perfection along the line of reciprocating motion, 
steam being particularly adapted to this movement, as shown in all kinds of steam engines, marine, stationary, etc. But the application of a somewhat different force, that of gas explosions, to a piston, developing what is practically a rotary motion, the writer is inclined to think will not be so efficacious. For any man to attempt to condemn the reciprocating system would be folly. It may work, and as a matter of fact does work fairly well, several firms having turned out average machines of this type. But in converting one motion to another there is necessarily the introduction of more complicated gears and a multiplicity of parts, often hard to reach in case of repairs, and there is, in any case, a loss of power in transmission, which would seem to militate against the piston-pump. As some pin their faith to the reciprocating style, so others favor the rotary. This type seemed to promise success, as there was no conversion of motion, and the gear was much simpler. However, some new and many old defects showed up, and the great fault of excessive slip known to exist in all rotary pumps when run at high pressure, was still apparent. Close-fitting casings, with the introduction of improved springs behind the gibbs, seemed to promise success, but under severe trial were glaringly defective. No chief of experience could be satisfied with this. The manufacturers greatly improved the old rotary type of twenty-five years ago, the diameter of the shaft being increased to take out spring under a high pressure. The shafts were shortened for the same reason. Water pockets between the gears, which gave a back pressure, were changed by tapping into the pocket or hollowing out the casing and piping around to the discharge. But still there is room for improvement. When a very high pressure is required, a point is reached when a rotary pump acts almost like a piston pump, each gear striking a blow exactly like the plunger, when the point of closest contact to the casing is reached. This is bound to jar injuriously the entire machine, and to wreck it unless it is very strong. Such are a few of the defects which came under the writer's notice when watching tests. There are many things to be said for and against all types, but the opinion may be hazarded that even the makers of these rotary or gear pumps know and admit that this apparatus is not yet the equal of the steam pump. Another type tried with moderate success is the centrifugal. That this would be an immediate success, there is not the slightest doubt, were it not that, like the reciprocating pump, it is somewhat difficult to use it in conjunction with the motor. In order to obtain a centrifugal pump which will deliver 750 gallons of water per minute at 130 pounds pressure per square inch, and come within the weight practical for fire apparatus, it must run at a speed of 16 to 1800 revolutions a minute. For fire apparatus, at least, this is not practical for a new difficulty arises, that of cooling the cylinders. High speed is possible in fast-moving cars when a strong current of air is forced through the radiator, but in fire apparatus, standing stationary at a fire, the designers are confronted by very different conditions. Therefore, in order to obtain the speed, a differential of at least two to one is necessary, or the other alternative must be used, 
that of increasing the size and driving direct at the same speed as the motor. In the one case, there is the differential gear with some loss of power, and in the other, a slow but much heavier pump. Could a motor be built that would directly drive a centrifugal pump at a speed of 1,200 revolutions a minute, it would be the ideal type for motor apparatus. And the writer believes that one will soon be obtainable. As already stated in this volume, there are various devices for raising aerial ladders, some mechanical, others electrical, and still others by means of compressed air. It is not the purpose to here enter into an explanation of how these devices should be operated, as any intelligent fireman can learn their use in half an hour. But a word may be said as to the placing of the ladders themselves. The writer has often seen ladders in such a position that it was quite difficult to work on them to advantage, whether the work was rescuing persons or operating lines. In order to obtain a clear idea of the proper position in which to place a truck so that an aerial ladder may be properly operated, let it be assumed that the ladder is to be raised to a window on the sixth floor of a commercial building. This would be about 65 feet from the ground, as the first floor is about 15 feet and the others about 10 in height. The approximate measurements can be determined by a practical truck man at a glance and the truck should be set about sixteen feet from the building, with the center of the turntable in line with the center of the window. The point of the fly ladder should extend about fifteen inches above the sill, but care should be taken in placing the same that it should not be permitted to rest heavily on the sill, but should be lowered to within a few inches of it. As soon as the weight of a body is near the top, it will cause the ladder properly to set against the window ledge. Should the ladder be originally placed as above, there is no danger of its buckling in the center. Reference is made to this matter of properly placing ladders on account of the great difference in the width of sidewalks, and some officers accept the sidewalk as an infallible guide. Of course it is not intended that the space should be measured off with a two-foot rule, but a little thought and experience works wonders, and if they would only practice with ladders of various sizes, they would quickly pick up the faculty of placing them in the proper position. In the New York Fire Department, frequent drills are held, and it is surprising to see how rapidly even untrained men grasp the idea. A poorly placed ladder at a fire is inexcusable. For those who care to go into the subject a little more deeply, and perhaps to practice at the drill school with apparatus, the following rule may be helpful. Divide the height to which the ladder is to be raised by five and add three. Thus, take a 35-foot ladder. Five into 35 goes seven times, add three, and the result is ten. So the butt of the ladder should rest about ten feet from the building. Or, again, a 75-foot ladder should be placed approximately 18 feet away, and so on. This rule is not worked out to inches, but it constitutes a fair guide when sidewalks are very wide or the reverse, and affords the officer in charge a working basis. A few words may perhaps be appropriate at this point, anent a unique feature of American fire practice, namely the water tower. 
This apparatus consists merely of a lattice-work tower mounted on a quadrant, through the interior of which passes a hollow tube, through which, again, an extension tube on the telescopic order is fitted in such a manner that it may be extended in a similar way to the extension ladder. When fully extended, the tower is between 65 and 70 feet. When not working, it is kept in a horizontal position, being raised when necessary either by hydraulic pressure or by springs. It is especially useful in fighting fires in high buildings, and that its adoption is not general in Europe is due to the fact that local conditions are not as a rule such as to necessitate its employment. Nonetheless, the following details may be of assistance to fire chiefs in all parts of the world. In many small fire departments, and for that matter in some of appreciable size, it is customary to use the bed ladders on trucks as water towers. Not being possessed of the latter apparatus, chiefs are obliged to use a makeshift in order to get a nozzle into an elevated position at fires where a ladder cannot be lowered against the building. A ladder pipe, after the style of turret pipes used on wagons and water towers, should be permanently attached to the underside of the ladder and securely fastened. A length of three-inch hose is attached to the pipe and strapped to the ladder with a Siamese connection on the ground. Should a water tower be needed, this will effectively take its place. Run in two lines, connect to the Siamese, raise the bed ladder to the desired position, and the stream is controlled from the street by guys, or a man may be sent aloft to direct it. If it appears cumbersome to have an entire length with the Siamese attached, a short length of about ten feet may be used, and it should be kept in position with the pipe near the end, and in case a water tower is needed, the short length is connected with a length of three-inch hose carried for the purpose. This will bring the Siamese to the street level and will give mobility to the line. In case there is no stationary pipe on the ladder, an open nozzle should be connected to a length of three-inch hose and laid on the ladder with the nozzle pointing through the rounds about two from the top. It must be lashed in position, and if the company contains a practical or even an amateur sailor, he should be employed to make the knot. Landsmen ought to be well versed in making such knots in advance, as it is useless to instruct a man in such work at a moment when celerity is most necessary. A word of caution should be inserted in connection with the use of aerial ladders as water towers. Although the writer is aware that a ladder so converted is still available, all ladders should not be used for this purpose. Persons in the building may be cut off by the flames, or if the firefighters are pocketed, a long ladder may be necessary in order to effect their rescue, and judgment must be used in the number of ladders which may be transformed although all that is necessary to do is to shut off the water, disconnect the lines, lower the ladder, ship the steering wheel, and move the truck to the point where it is needed. But it must be remembered that this will take an appreciable length of time, and the fire, sweeping toward the imprisoned people, will not await the convenience of the department. Hence, use caution before converting an escape into a water tower." As to the success of the gasoline motor for hauling apparatus, there can be no question. 
the experimental stage has passed and that of certainty has arrived the main point is whether the motor should be built in as an integral part of the apparatus or whether it should be detachable and be in the form of a tractor in some ways the latter seems preferable since should anything happen to the tractor necessitating extensive repairs it is easily disconnected another tractor attached and the apparatus kept in service it appears that this style of traction is coming into general use and the writer believes will be universally adopted both in fire departments and commercially as time demonstrates its utility it is beyond the scope of this work to enter into a detailed description of each part of the motor apparatus but rather to afford some general idea of what experience has taught a word may be said here anent the storage battery many fire chiefs express a strong preference for this style and like everything else it is possessed of some good points and a number of bad ones thus the batteries deteriorate rapidly when standing still and are expensive to replace for effective fire service it is necessary to have a set charging continuously while for heavy grades it is not as certain as gasoline on the other hand it is easier to operate and is certainly more reliable for starting away in response to an alarm while still in the experimental stage it is worth watching for there is no saying what developments may occur which will remove its present disabilities and place it beyond the sphere of the problematical the intention of the writer is not to express a decided preference for any particular type but rather to indicate the strong and weak points of apparatus leaving individual chiefs to assess the merits or otherwise of the machines dealt with and thus form their own conclusions in operating water towers and extension ladders that is in raising and lowering them there are several devices electrical mechanical spring and hydraulic all of which have points in their favor the electric motor can raise an extension ladder with rapidity and the spring is equally good some even considering it more certain hydraulic power or springs can be employed in raising a water tower as before emphasized locality must govern choice and public money should not be lightly spent in fact the best test is to consider whether were the purchaser paying for the apparatus out of his own pocket he would consider it wise to spend the money in the foregoing a brief description has been given of the major pieces of motor apparatus and it is now advisable to consider their operation hose wagons and runabouts possess no technical features with the exception that they should be strongly built and with sufficient power to carry the loads placed upon them over rough paving and heavy gradients but the fact should be appreciated that though a piece of apparatus may be seldom in motion when it is needed it must travel like the wind all departments have recently shown a tendency to run the hose wagon equipped with chemical tanks ahead as a kind of scout the writer thoroughly approves of this method as has been frequently repeated time is everything in firefighting and a few seconds gained may prevent great loss of life and property the fast-moving wagon arrives on the scene before the heavier engine and attacks the fire with chemical lines remembering in all cases to stretch two and a half inch lines from the nearest hydrants 
upon the arrival of the engine connection is quickly made to the hydrants and preparations commenced to start water in these lines immediately should the condition of the fire warrant such an operation the old adage never send a boy on a man's errand should be borne in mind and therefore never trust entirely to a chemical line although it may extinguish the fire and thereby decrease the fire loss it is utterly useless should the outbreak assume great proportions and under these conditions a good stream of water is an absolute requisite in residential districts where the houses are detached chemicals will extinguish many fires with the least possible loss but their use should not be attempted in commercial buildings where great quantities of goods are stored until science has given us a far more effective gas than is at present available in employing a chemical stream it should be directed low as it is not the quantity of liquid which extinguishes the fire but the gas arising from it which does the work as it is evident that in order to get the best effect from chemical streams the gas should be confined such streams are of no avail in the open where a stream of water is used the correct method is to strike the ceiling with the stream on entering a room which distributes the water should the entire contents of a small room be involved the water is spread out like a fan over the whole area when as the writer's old mentor used to say a dash will put it out the next points to be considered are engine and high-pressure streams as the homeopathic and the allopathic doctors always disagree about the strength of a dose of medicine so there is always a difference of opinion amongst fire chiefs as to the size of nozzles to be used and the pressure required in delivering streams at fires in the old days the volunteers christened their machines the niagara the cataract the deluge names to denote overwhelming power as it was the idea to drown everything in sight even today there is evidence in some quarters that this desire still remains nozzles two three and even four inches in diameter are sometimes used naturally common sense should govern the matter for though there are instances where one powerful stream may save the day there are others where several small streams are far more effective take as an illustration the case of the equitable fire the strong gale drove the fire toward nassau and cedar streets the latter only twenty-seven feet wide and the former about forty-five and the flames raged along cedar street for a distance of three hundred seventy-five feet and on the nassau street side for nearly two hundred feet here was a line of five hundred seventy-five feet to be protected in narrow thoroughfares where the high buildings had windows of plain glass one two three or even four powerful streams would not have had the desired effect it required a perfect water curtain along the entire front and the only way to accomplish this was to cover the buildings with a deluge from small streams supported by two-inch streams from the water towers to drive the fire back such an effective curtain resulted from this method that not a single pane of glass was broken in the windows of the exposed buildings in the streets mentioned it was as though a heavy musketry fire from an entrenched army backed by a few pieces of artillery had checked the advance of a storming party 
that this was wonderfully successful may be gathered from the underwriter's report which states that it was effective to a remarkable degree and the writer would add was the only means under the conditions existing at this fire which would have accomplished the desired result this is the homeopathic method now consider the allopathic side to give an example last autumn an explosion took place in a sulphur works built on a dock in williamsburg borough of brooklyn a strong southwest wind was blowing and directly across the street were situated the oil yards of the standard oil company while at a distance of only forty-five or fifty feet were extensive hay sheds one thousand feet in length a more dangerous combination is difficult to conceive a fourth alarm was immediately transmitted by the district chief on his arrival followed by a borough call which brought another third alarm assignment on the writer's arrival he found a most dangerous fire confronting him the entire building of the sulphur works was involved the flames shooting a hundred feet into the air the hay sheds had ignited and the flames were rolling over the oil tanks to leeward deputy chief langford with eight engine companies and a fire boat was assigned to the leeward position in the oil yards and six companies under deputy chief lally were placed in the street between the hay sheds and the latter although the water supply was ample the combined force of these fourteen companies using powerful streams was not sufficient to drive back the wave of fire which momentarily threatened to envelop the oil yards and bring great destruction to life and property the fire-boat abram s hewitt had worked her way in to within seventy-five feet from the head of that threatening and destructive sea of fire she was operating about eight one and three-quarter inch and one and a half inch streams the order was given that all streams should be shut down with the exception of two one and a half inch which were operating under langford in the yards and that a three-inch nozzle should be put on the large monitor at the top of the pilot-house the full force of the pumps was then thrown into that nozzle giving a pressure of one hundred forty five pounds and a discharge of more than three thousand gallons per minute the effect of this was to crush the head of that fiery wave and roll it back and hold it giving the men operating the smaller streams a chance to advance compare the two examples in one a threatening fire had spread over a great area in the other a terrific wave of flame was concentrated within a narrow space a cyclone in the first instance a tornado in the second so it will be seen that in firefighting both homeopathic and allopathic methods are required but if the fire can be extinguished with a small stream a large one should never be employed how best to judge the size of the dose the writer is unable to tell as each doctor diagnoses his own case so each chief must make his own working diagram and like some physicians many firefighters have better discernment and keener judgment than others sometimes born of greater experience and sometimes more or less intuitive all countries are looking for good men and paying liberal salaries and each must study and fit himself for the ordeal no maps or charts are available the surroundings must be noted and the decision must be prompt and effective 
the intelligent operation of apparatus by members of firefighting forces is an absolute essential successfully to cope with their enemy the direction of streams at a fire is almost akin to gunfire from a battleship shot and shell can be and indeed very often are wasted due to defective gunnery streams thrown into a building at an improper angle are useless when by a little judgment on the part of the officer in charge much more effective work could be accomplished this is particularly true of water towers and turret pipes in placing a tower in front of a building a little quick thinking on the part of the officer in command of the apparatus would often make a great difference to begin with a tower should never be placed far to windward except under orders from a superior ninety-nine times in a hundred the fire will work to leeward so the tower should be in the position whence the fire can be fought back from that side the mast should be extended high enough to give the stream an arc which will enable it to strike the ceiling of a particular floor about twenty to thirty feet inside the window as in gunnery practice the best arc is at about forty degrees elevation but as a tower stream is not directed at a target but must be operated over the entire front of a building judgment should be used in its placing and elevation in the beginning in connecting lines to a tower deck pipe or turret pipe on a wagon about one length fifty feet of extra hose should be allowed this is to give the apparatus a certain degree of mobility as it often becomes necessary to move a tower or a wagon and should there be no spare line it cannot be accomplished officers ordered to connect to water towers or wagons should bear this in mind too much rigidity is undesirable and by having fifty feet of range in front of the burning building much more effective work can be accomplished especially in these days when motor apparatus is so easy to move while on this theme it may be wise to touch briefly on the size and pressure of streams the use of a water tower or of a wagon turret pipe presupposes the necessity for water under high pressure some chiefs have contended that a higher pressure than one hundred pounds at the nozzle is impracticable saying that when the pressure goes over this nozzle velocity it is so high that the stream is torn to pieces whipped into a foam causing it to break and scatter a few feet from the nozzle this contention is only partly true for admitting that the higher the nozzle velocity the greater the tendency of the stream to disintegrate on the other hand the higher nozzle velocity gives a greater volume and a much heavier striking force these latter are prime requisites in firefighting a blow struck or a thrust delivered with moderate strength has not the same effect as a blow with good muscle behind it and in big fires it is often the power of the blow which counts the stream which strikes with force will knock out the fire as a prize-fighter knocks out his opponent the writer favors higher pressure when necessity demands though this is again a matter of judgment in the army and navy range-finders are employed to enable officers in charge of guns to sight properly and direct their fire Firefighters operate under such conditions that many times they are unable to see even the buildings, much less the windows or openings through which the streams are to be directed. 
in such cases all must be left to judgment and experience when a heavy body of fire is rolling out of a building the writer would use a nozzle pressure of from one hundred to one hundred fifty pounds this gives volume and that striking force which as already stated are absolutely necessary in many instances before passing from this subject it may be well to give a rule by which men may be guided in placing apparatus of the type under consideration good firemen fight at close range and it is seldom that the occasion arises which keeps them at a distance but under such conditions a stream will do effective work allowing one foot of distance for each pound of nozzle pressure up to one hundred pounds above this point it is a little less but it is useless to go further into this matter as the occasion should never arise when it is necessary to fight a fire at a greater distance than that of one hundred feet in some instances the actual distance covered by the stream is greater when the nozzle is at on or near grade level the point of delivery may be fifty feet above grade level and those who care to amuse themselves and at the same time improve their knowledge can use the old rule the square root of the sum of the squares on the two sides of a right-angled triangle is equal to that of the hypotenuse the main point is to know the distance to which a certain pressure will deliver effective fire streams hydraulic engineers like j f freeman and others give distances always under settled weather conditions but a fire chief cannot wait for a calm day so the confronting conditions must be figured out a little thought will make a most wonderful improvement and it will be found by experience that men can estimate within a few pounds of the exact pressure at a nozzle this will be treated exhaustively in the appendix in dealing with the effect of additional lines in the tower deck or turret pipes it must be stated that in most departments the orders require a company stretching to the tower deck or turret pipes to lay in two lines now if a two-inch nozzle is used on the tower mast much better streams will be obtained by immediately adding another three-inch line it may be assumed that a nozzle pressure of one hundred pounds is required from a two-inch nozzle this is equivalent to a discharge of one thousand two hundred gallons of water per minute in order to obtain this pressure each of the first two lines would be delivering six hundred gallons per minute and the addition of the third line would cause this flow to be reduced to four hundred gallons for each one as the friction loss is equal to the square of the velocity and as the velocity is governed by the flow the result would be something like this four hundred times four hundred equals one hundred sixty thousand six hundred times six hundred equals three hundred sixty thousand or as sixteen is to thirty-six therefore friction loss would be more than twice as great as in the first case this takes the writer back to the source of supply whether it be a fire engine a high pressure pump or water under force of gravity which becomes the determining factor as to what pressure should be if it is decided to force twelve hundred gallons per minute through two lines the pressure must be higher at the pump than if the same quantity were forced through three lines in order to give the same nozzle pressure in the case of water delivered under high pressure by pump or force of gravity where there is a predetermined pressure the additional line gives a better flow 
less friction loss, and consequently a higher nozzle velocity. The chief officer must determine whether it is better to attach the additional line, thereby taking up the services of an engine, or to use the third opening in the hydrant to which a line might be connected for service at some other point where it was badly needed. In this chapter the writer has had no thought of actually discussing fire strategy. All he has hoped to do has been to point out some of the situations which develop at fires, and to impress upon those responsible that their minds should act quickly, and that all contingencies should be met with promptitude. End of section 23. Recording by Maria Casper.